one of my meetings, we got the time zone wrong. And I was taking a call, literally walking around on my headset in the Vatican. It was like a perfect example of as the owner founder, you know, the buck stops with you. My wife was sort of shaking her head like, boy, you're an asshole. <laughs> Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there and plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey, everybody, it's Jason Patria, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to show your value. Turn up the volume and lead with your brand every single day. Well, we have an awesome guest today. It is Harry Kargman, who is the founder and CEO of Cargo, the leading mobile brand advertising marketplace. But before we bring Harry on, I want to talk a little bit about what is getting in your way, right? Now, every time we think about our brand, every time we think about our career, I want you to start thinking about what is that one thing that is getting in your way? Oftentimes, we look so far into the future that things become difficult and blurry, but I want you to think about just one thing. How can we focus? What's one thing that is getting in your way of getting to where you want to be? How can you look at what that gap is? So yes, we all want to have a great career plan, but what's something you can do this month to get you closer to your next career breakthrough? What is getting in your way? What is holding you back? Is it that you're not being focused and strategic? Is it that you're not listening to feedback? Is it that you are not super serving your career audience of raving fans who are the folks that are most likely to sponsor, amplify, and help you get to the next level. So that's your challenge this week. I want you to think about what's that one thing getting in your way and what can you do to change that? And I'd love to hear from you on social media at any of my platforms at Jason Patria. Just direct message me and tell me what's one thing that's getting in your way and we'll share it with some of our listeners. I'm super excited about our guest, Harry Kargman, today. He is the founder and CEO of Cargo, the leading mobile brand advertising marketplace. Now, I actually met Harry at LGBTQ plus Pride in New York because his company, Cargo, was a entrant in the Pride Parade with my company, NBC Universal. And while he's an amazing executive, he is also the husband of the amazing Jill Kargman, who is 
is a best-selling author, star of Bravo's Odd Mom Out, and of course, a fan favorite on the Lead With Your Brand podcast. Now, Harry was named the EY Entrepreneur of the Year back in 2016, and under his leadership over the last 15-plus years, Harry has transformed Cargo from a small startup into one of the advertising industry's fastest-growing and most innovative technology companies. It was even announced as Inc.'s 500 winner in 2015. Now, Harry sits on the Advertising Council Board of Directors, and his experience building cargo from the ground up has given him a deep understanding of the latest trends. He's a frequent speaker and panelist at CES, IAB, Advertising Week, the Web Summit, cons, and other advertising and technology conferences. And he's even been featured in the New York Times, on the Today Show, Ad Age, Bloomberg, Fox Business, and the Wall Street. Journal. We'll be back in just a couple of moments with Harry Kargman. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. And we are back. I am thrilled for today's guest. It is Harry Kargman, the founder and CEO of Cargo. Harry, what's going on? Well, Harry, let's kick this off because I want to know how you explain who you are and what you do when you first meet people. I know you're, you're out there networking and building business. How do you explain who you are and what you do? First off, thanks for having me on the show. Really, really appreciate it. Sure. So, uh, so I run a company. I started Cargo in 2003. Uh, Cargo is one of the largest. We started out mobile, but it's one of the largest advertising marketplaces, digital advertising marketplaces. Um, we uh, connect great publishers. And we put tech on their pages that allow us to make what we think are the most impactful, highest end formats available to major advertisers, all the, all the brands that you know and love, whether it's Procter & Gamble or Unilever, Coca-Cola, Walmart, uh, across you know the universe of the NBCs and CBSs and Viacom and Scripps. And what we think we, we do best is really transforming the ad creative and formats to really break through to you as the consumer so that when you're reading that article, whether it's on CNN or whether it's on Bleacher Report or whether it's on you know, any of the Hearst properties, you come across that high impact, beautiful, uh, totally visually compelling uh, ad experience that gets you as a consumer to take notice and then think about that product next time that you're going to go buy a car or go buy a product in the grocery store or go binge that next show on Netflix or Amazon. Cargo wants to be the driver of those behaviors and get you to, to, to actually uh, opt in and buy those things uh, at those moments where you're going to make your decision. Yeah. And, you know, Harry, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you is you really have sort of this this um, amazing career story that's at the intersection of technology and advertising, right? And, you know, you've built your own business. So when you sort of look back over your career, what have been sort of the biggest career breakthrough moments for you? So... 
when we started out the business, we were trying to sell software into wireless operators. Mm. And what we sort of learned from that business is that it takes many, many years to get an operator to buy software. And the level of complexity and bureaucracy in selling into them is pretty much near impossible. And even then, it's like dealing with the government. You know, they don't really want to pay very much for or really undervalue <laughs> unless they absolutely need it. So that was not a great business to be in, suffice it to say. And we had to pivot. And that was sort of one of the key learning experiences. The business that you're in today may not necessarily be the best business that you can be in. And you have to be open and reflective around where is there really the biggest opportunity and make the changes necessary to advance your career and advance the company into an opportunity where there is more fertile ground. Mm -hmm. And so we made a pivot from there to really working with large media companies and we built, host and managed their mobile sites. Uh, we also provided ringtones and images and ringtones and images wasn't a business that I necessarily wanted to be in, but it kept the lights on. Oftentimes wow. there are those, there's those trade-offs between being in a business that, you know, probably long-term doesn't have sustainability, but at the same time, it's really important, important to the, the final dollars uh, so that you can, you can hire people and you can keep things moving. Uh, in the in a business where you think there's greater opportunity, but maybe there isn't there isn't the revenue stream there. Yeah. And so we we started building, hosting, and managing sites for major publishers. Made a little bit of money there. It, it worked out okay. Making all of our money from ringtones and images. And of course, the iPhone comes out, followed by the Android device. Mm -hmm. Two things happen there. First off, if you have an iPhone, nobody's downloading or buying carrier based images and ringtones, that whole business went kaput, <laughs> gone. So think about your revenue stream just totally disappearing. And the second thing that happened is all of the subscription revenue that we had from the mobile sites of major brands no longer was applicable. Uh, and again, people on iPhone expected content to be free. So it was this existential moment where if we didn't figure out the next business model to pivot, even though we were getting lots and lots of new users in coming in on iPhone, we were dead. So what's the obvious place you go when you have lots of traffic and you're owning and controlling the sites of major publishers? The only business that's available to you is really advertising. And we made that pivot uh, somewhere around probably 2015, 2016, actually long before that, 2012, let's say. And, uh, and we went into this period of extraordinary growth because brands realized that if they didn't reach consumers on the phone, they were missing probably one of the more important screens at the time. Now, it's, I would argue it's the most important screen, but at the yeah. time, it was a more important screen. TV and desktop were by far the leading companies out there. And, um, and so figuring out how to service those clients that were looking to put advertising on there was something unique and differentiated, especially since you hosted and controlled the sites themselves. That was sort of the aha moment, the pivot that put us into a business that was growing 100% year over year for a period of about six years uh, and really grew us from single digit millions to over $100 million of revenue. Wow. And that all happened over a five year period of time. And so it was uh, it was a rocket ship. Then. <laughs> We faced some headwinds. Um, 
And, uh, and then we're, we're now on this next rocket ship where we grew, you know, 40% last year in COVID. And now we're up about 70% this year. Wow. But we're looking, we're looking for new business areas because we know that that next pivot is probably right around the corner. Yeah. So Harry, I mean, so interesting because it's like you, you're constantly pivoting and evolving the business model to be relevant, right? So talk to me right when you had to do that first pivot, what was the hardest thing for you to do as a founder and CEO? What, what was the, the biggest challenge in kind of making some of those early pivots? I think the hardest thing is you see the area that's making you money and you know, while that area is interesting, and it's critical to your success at that moment. It's coming to the realization and looking out at the overall economy and the marketplace and realizing that that area may not necessarily even exist when you fast forward 2012 to 24 months. Yeah. And so you have to be willing to take the money that you're making instead of doubling down doing the same thing. You have to sort of really look at, take a hard look at, what's in the overall market available to you as a path to go in. And you have to be willing to take that leap and make that investment in that new area that you see as the obvious, you know, you're running to where the puck is or or skating to where the puck is. Yeah. You're not playing the puck right in front of you. And so making that commitment when you see something obvious, not trying to actually just, you know, build a moat around the existing business, batten down the hatches, because chances are the sea's going to wash over you and you're going to go under. So you have to make the <laughs> commitment to set the boat in the right direction and you don't veer off from it, even though that might not necessarily be the bread and butter business that you're in today. So that that's the key. The key is be willing to change when you recognize that existentially the business that you're in and making you the money is not the business that you, you, you will be in, or you could even stay in one to two years out. Yeah. And so you talked a lot about having this willingness and this ability to, to change the business model. What are some things that you had to do as a leader from, you know, your own actions and behaviors? How did you have to change in order to pivot with those models? Well, I think, you know, I've seen over time that there are many folks who are more conservative in nature and the idea of that pivot or change or the investments that you need to make or the risks that you need to take, it's just not in their constitution. Mm. So as a leader, you either need to get them to realize that they need to back off and let go and let you make mistakes if that's what's going to happen even company ending mistakes, if that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Or you need to come to a realization of that timidness being a real handicap for the company and be willing to have that hard conversation with the understanding that they may be at that point lost, lost to the strategy, lost to the future, and frankly lost as a partner and as an employee going forward in the company. And that is a scary thing, especially if you have people that have been with you a long period of time where Mm -hmm. you feel like there's loyalty there, being willing to let go and be willing to sort of say, this is where we're going. We all have to march in that direction. 
And if it's not in your nature to really get behind this and to cheer it on and to root for it and to spread it inside the organization, if you're going to be a curmudgeon or if you feel like you can't get behind it because it's too worrisome or too scary, you have to be letting, you know, you have to be willing to let them walk away or you have yeah. to be willing to push them out. And yeah. I think that, that that's really something that I've learned, you know, in, in the years that I've been doing this. You know, I've been doing this 18 years. And there's people that have been with me from early, 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 and there are other people and they're willing to step up and change and evolve and and they're willing to sort of back my leadership and yeah. march behind me as I march in new directions with the understanding that so far so good in terms of the pivots we've made. And then there are other people who are like, this is what I think we should be doing. I don't believe in the strategy or the change and you got to be willing to let them go. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the takeaway. So surround yourself with people that are aligned with the mission and the focus that are cheerleading and that are willing to, you know, and willing to go with you into battle and the people that have doubts, you have to let them go, even if they're critical people to the organization. Yeah. It's really about aligning your, your talent to that broader business strategy. So let's talk a little bit around your professional brand. So how would you describe your brand as a CEO? I need to do a better job building my brand as a CEO. <laughs> well, Harry, what about, give me three words that you think describe you as the CEO of Cargo. Um, I think the people see me as relatively fearless. Mm even though it's careful, you know, I'm careful about wading in instead of diving in head first, because uh, I don't want to crack my head on the bottom. <laughs> but, but I think the idea that we got to get into the ocean or the pool for that matter, we're going in and you get behind me because we're going in. So on that level, relatively fearless. Um, <laughs> I think people see me as very passionate, even though I've been doing this for 18 years. And so maintaining that passion so people know that you're in it and that you're absolutely focused and that you have energy and that you care uh, and you care deeply. I think those things are incredibly important. Uh, people to lead by example in that way. Yeah. Um, I think people see that I have grit and persistence. Um, we've faced significant hurdles um, that would crush most people um, where you have to sort of navigate yourself out of it every single day, day by day, knowing that you're running a marathon and that I think people look at that hill in you know mile 13 and say forget it it's not worth it i gotta jump off yeah and so so i think that grit and persistence has served me well and i think i get that's probably the biggest thing that people um sort of recognize in my leadership um and then i would say lastly ultimately i i've tried to maintain a very positive attitude and i think you know i think bringing positivity to the organization um, where you're an optimist about what's possible um, and you can sort of infect people with that same optimism 
is, uh, as I would say, the last trait that I think uh, people would sort of see as see me as 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 a leader. And of course, you need things like attention to detail, which is incredibly important. Uh, you know, where appropriate, getting into the weeds and asking you know detailed questions about how things operate, showing that you actually care how things operate. Um, and having a passion for the product services and people and clients uh, that you work with on a regular basis and making sure that they, you know, are happy and that they feel like you're delivering an extraordinarily uh, high level of, of service and quality uh, on everything that you do. And I think that that, that sort of desire to really uh, provide great customer experiences and really care about outcomes for your customers uh, really shines through, I think, from the top where people know that you, you really are rooting for everything that you do with your clients and every every campaign that you run, you're really rooting for them to be successful and you're and, and you really want them to be successful and you're and it's meaningful to you. You're, they're not just a number uh, that you're taking, but you actually care about their success as much as you care about your own. Yeah. So it sounds like for you, it's all about making sure that your clients see that you're you're really in it to win it for them and that the whole cargo crew is is helping them get there. Right. Yeah. I get upset when I get feedback that we weren't responsive Mm. or that we weren't creative about finding solutions or that we that we took too long to get back to them or that um, or that. Frankly, a campaign didn't get the results that, that our clients were looking for. Really wanting to make good, you know, put my money where my mouth is and make good on, on the promises that we made. And, and really stand for something. Really say, hey, listen, this is the part we play in. We believe in amazing editorial. We believe in super high quality formats. And we del- believe in driving results to our clients. And we need to perform as an organization around those three things. Yeah. And how, how do you, as a leader, how do you sort of message those, those three core beliefs in a way that your entire team and the entire company is acting on those things? I think they see it in how you talk to clients and deal with client situations. Really, leadership happens not when things are going swimmingly well. Leadership happens when things are going poorly or, <laughs> or you have to have the hard conversations. Yeah. And so I think, you know, having a willingness within reason uh, to try to make your clients whole when you make mistakes, uh, be willing to have some level of flexibility uh, if things go south, um, caring about the quality of what you do and really calling out when things are subpar. It's, I think, I think getting people to recognize that there's a certain quality standard that you believe in and you want people to be satisfied. Um, and be willing to say, hey, listen, if you ever run into a problem, please pick up the phone or send me an email and let me try to solve it for you. Yeah. Making people feel that, you know, you're the last line, you know, if they if they have to go through a process where things are not working out, you know, they can they can bring it to you and that you're going to be compassionate and thoughtful about coming up with something, uh, not just a hard ass and, you know, a number taker. Yeah. So I love that you said leadership is really defined when things aren't going well, right? And how you handle them. Give me an example of one of those times when things weren't going well and you really stepped up to the plate and maybe it was a defining moment for you as a leader. 
So when I think back, I, you know, and I'm not going to point to any one campaign or client because that would probably not be fair. And of course, that'd be breaking <laughs> NDAs. Um, but there are times where we ran campaigns and we made mistakes, like it was a campaign to be run in North America and we ran it on a global basis, mm. where there were specific uh, publishers that it was supposed to be locked down to and we ran it beyond that list of publishers, where um, there were failures in our technology where things broke and we caught them later. Um, you know, in almost every single one of those cases where it was brought to our attention, you know, we've, we've tried to uh, give the client the benefit of the doubt uh, in terms of, you know, the lack of performance or the problems associated with making those mistakes and really try to give them a make good uh, where possible um, to, so that they know that, like, they don't have to swallow those wasted impressions or the money that wasn't spent exactly how they wanted to spend. So I would say that, you know, we've had to do that on a regular basis. Um, there are other examples where, you know, there are employees that were, you know, subjected to one of those crazy phishing frauds. Oh no. Where somebody, somebody got an email saying, it's Harry, the CEO. Uh, I need you to do something for me right now. Uh, and they go, what can I do for you? And they're like, please go down to your local drugstore and buy $2,000 worth of gift cards. And I need it right now, this kind of gift card. And please scratch the back and take a picture and send it to me at this number, which of course is not my number. Oh my God. And how do you deal with this? an employee who did that and put it on their own personal credit card. So it's not your problem. You didn't make any of those mistakes. They, it wasn't even on the corporate card. It was on their personal card. And it was just a, 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 an error in judgment. So, you know, how do you, what's your responsibility to your employee in that particular situation? <laughs> so man, what did you do in that one? That one's insane. It was very hard, but I think in the end of the day, even though it wasn't on any corporate card, and even though it was a purely sort of external phishing, because they were trying, the person was trying to do what's right for the company, we ended up, the company ended up reimbursing that person for the fraud, even though they called their credit card company and the credit card company said, hey, did you voluntarily, did you sign the gift for the gift card in the store? They said, yes. They said, did you scratch the back of the gift card? They said, yes. They said, did you take a picture of the gift card and send it to the email or to the text that the, of the instruction? They said, yes. They said, then, then there's nothing we can do for you wow. at the credit card company because <laughs> you made the mistake. But I, we felt that um, the number was big enough for the junior employee that that would be material yeah. uh, in terms of their annual salary. And we felt that it would since the person was acting on behalf of the company to the best of their ability, it would not be right to leave them holding the, holding the bag. Yeah. The money bag, if you will. Yeah. And I guess that that's some of that positive attitude, right. And being, being an optimist in a really tough situation. Uh, it took me a while to come around with both their manager and pe various people from HR saying, you know, this is something <laughs> that we got to do. <laughs> But I think a lot of other people would be like, you're too soft. You just say, hey, you know, I'm not your I'm not your parent. I'm not here to 
dig you out of, um, you know, bad decisions. Yeah. So Harry, I love that you, you shared, you know, you, you would describe yourself as relatively fearless and passionate with grit and persistence and this, this positive attitude. Are those traits that have always been, uh, around you or has that evolved over time? Like, like when you were a kid, you know, is, is that how people would have described you or when you were in college, is that how people would have described you? Um, definitely the, the persistence piece. I, I am Mr. Like whatever it takes to get it done. I, th- I would going all the way back, uh, to the earliest days. It was funny. I had, uh, I was, uh, I skied, um, at a pretty high level and I was in ski academy in Europe, uh, between high school and college to see, you know, how far I could push it. I had friends that made the Olympics and actually came up in pretty high in the Olympics. I was never, never made that level. Never, never quite that good. Um, but, um, so I came home cause I was injured and I was feeling pretty good. And, you know, I, all my equipment, everything was, was back at home in Europe. And, uh, and I was sitting there with my family and my family, my, my, my folks and my sisters were, were out in Colorado and I flew out to meet them. And, you know, I, I needed, uh, I had a ski injury with my knee and I needed my knee brace, which was custom fit. And I, you know, I had my boots and those were custom fit and needed all those things. And I was with, uh, uh, a person that bought and sold companies. I'm not going to name who the person is, but put it this way. One of the, one of the, the, the biggest, you know, spent billions of dollars buying companies was captured in different books. Like, uh, um, what, what's it called? The, it's going to come to me in a second, the, the, the name of the book, but the, um, but he bet me, he's like, listen, he's like, you're leaving in a week. There's no way that you could get all of this stuff that you had that you needed from your apartment in Europe to the slopes in Colorado, you know, just from a, just a logistics perspective, customs, you know, shipping, just the whole thing, not possible, just cannot be done. Not even, not even something that you should contemplate and you should sit on the sidelines for the week that we're here and good luck to you and not going to happen. Um, and it was like really a call to arms. Um, I remember the name of the book, Barbarians at the Gate. It was one of the people, I think, in, in that book. Um, and there was a call to arms about whether I could pull it off or not. And, and suffice it to say, between figuring out who the airport manager was at Federal Express in in Grenoble, France, uh, getting it down the mountain, getting it through customs, having somebody sign for it when it entered customs in Denver and getting it there. It's one of those things where, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. And that was sort of one example. Um, and, and hey, what, what what did this man uh, say to you when you uh, actually got all the equipment there? Did you win the bet? I, it was, uh, I did win the bet. And uh, it, it, it involved some fun things, but also a lucky dollar, which uh, until my wallet was stolen last year, I had for about four, 30 years. Wow. Uh, so <laughs> so it, was pretty, it was pretty awesome. Um, but you know what, I guess I didn't need the lucky dollar cause we've had, a, we've had a pretty good year, uh, regardless, but, um, you know, it's, it's those, those times where you're faced with, and that's not really adversity. That's, that's sort of like a fun logistics challenge, 
but it's those times where you're really faced with almost insurmountable you know odds that this this happened for me you know between high school and college it's like what can you do at 17 between 17 and 18 and what are the lessons you learned about possible uh the word possible then you know in the in a smaller fish tank that really sort of lead you to that similar question of what's possible at much greater stakes yeah. uh, that you do in your late forties. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's how we sort of think about, that's how I think about it is it's all training grounds. It's the things that you do on your paper route, it's the things that you do when you're a mini entrepreneur and, and you're a painter or a dog walker, or, you know, you got your first internship is that it's the grit and persistence that you learn then that you bring with you for the rest of your life. And, and the deeper that well that you can draw from and, and the more challenging the experiences earlier on, I think it gives you perspective on really what's possible later on. Yeah. And, and what was that moment that you knew you didn't want to work for somebody else and you were going to do a startup, which became Cargo? Well, so I always worked for, um, you know, in, in college, uh, I had a summer at the Boston Consulting Group. Uh, I then uh, I then worked for Intel and its venture group, and then I went to a, a startup where I was not the founder, but I was I was call it employee number ten. Uh, that actually grew really really large, and then I went back to uh, one of the companies that I had was involved on the on the investment team when I was at Intel. It was one of the portfolio companies of Intel that I went to. I realized that um, I'm not a great employee. <laughs> and the reason the reason I'm not a great employee is I would sort of see how things were done and I would say, well, that doesn't feel very efficient or that doesn't feel like the best use of time or that doesn't feel I don't understand the purpose of that exercise. And so that sort of uh, question mark around what are we doing? Why are we doing this? What am I doing for this? And how does this how does this further the ball? And am I really being you know, valuable? Am I really sort of providing the most value that I possibly can? I think, um, I think the answer for the most part in my head was that I wasn't, I wasn't using my time as efficiently as possible. I wasn't adding that much value to my bosses. And when I thought I could provide more value, my bosses, for the most part, weren't that interested in the value that I could provide that I thought would have been the most valuable. They're like, Here's your job and responsibility. I need you to model these things. Or here's your job and responsibility. You know, put together a strategic, you know, presentation around these things. And I'm like, yeah, but I can be helpful with implementation. No, no, no. We don't need you for that. We love it. So, <laughs> so stay in your box. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I wasn't. Uh, I would do it because it was the job, but I wasn't necessarily happy. Nor did I feel like I was. I was the the best uh, at at being content in that box, and so the only way the only way to sort of get out of that box is to start your own thing, and then you have a whole other set of problems. Uh, <laughs> you have problems paying yourself. You have problems that keep you up at night in terms of making payroll at some point. You have problems with being held accountable for growth, uh, and you have problems. You know, and, and there's a, a, a true adage. You know, success has many fathers and failure has only one, you know, when things are not going well, you're the punching bag uh, for the entire company. So there's, there's lots of those trade-offs um, plus the pressure, you know, in the end of the day, it's all on you. Uh, you know, if you fail, everybody's going to point at you. 
And so the question is, would you rather those sets of problems? You know, my wife will tell you, she can't think of a single vacation where I turned completely off, mm. you know, left my phone at home, left my computer at home. Cannot happen. In the, in the 20, 18 years that I've been doing this, it just, you, you can, you can decide when you want to take your vacation. Yeah. You can be out of the office. You can, you can work remotely, but in the end of the day, what's vacation? Work, vacation is just periods of remote work where you carve out <laughs> hours of the day to do other activities, uh, but then your head's still always in it. And I'll say, you know, we, we this year in, uh, in July, we were able, and it was, it was, it was a really wonderful, we got to Italy, uh, and I took my, my oldest, uh, who's going into her senior year in high, in high school, and we had the best time, um, but one of my meetings, we got the time zone wrong, and I was taking a call, literally walking around on my headset in the Vatican. It was like a perfect example of, as the owner, founder, you know, the buck stops with you. My wife was sort of shaking her head like, boy, you're an asshole. <laughs> and I can just picture Jill saying that, right? <laughs> yeah, but what are you, you going to do? Ah, so, so talk to me a little bit around, you know, the, the juggling act, because obviously you're a husband, you're, you're a father uh, and the buck stops with you as a CEO, but how is it as, as a busy executive, how do you, how do you find that work-life balance? How do you still be a great, a great dad and husband given everything else you have to do? Well, I don't know if I'm a great dad or husband, (laughs) I I should try hard. (laughs) Um, I think I've gotten higher marks as of late uh, than earlier in my career. I was definitely, uh, you know, totally unbalanced. Um, I think now the ability to carve out time to take these amazing trips uh, to get away on the weekends, just as a, you know, husband, wife, uh, where early in my career, you know, I would have loved to have done that, but one, I couldn't afford the time, and two, I certainly couldn't afford it. Period. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> now I can sort of afford the time, and I can afford it, which is a good thing. Um, I think, you know, I think that those those carving out and making those those commitments, uh, and and oftentimes, you know, and there are times where I've even canceled meetings, and I said, look, this is really important, um, and I know that it's a bummer to cancel these things, but you got to cancel these meetings because this is, this is important. It's important to either the kids or important to, to, uh, to Jill. And, and I've done that. So, you know, I'm cognizant of those moments to be there and be present. And I think that's important. That's probably an important life lesson that I've learned. Just understand wherever phase you are, that there's those moments and, you know, make the right decisions when you're, when you're facing those, those, with those opportunities. Yeah. So a couple of quick, fun, final questions for you. We were talking a little bit about your brand, but what is your favorite brand as a consumer? What can't you live without? What are you obsessed with? Um, so I like, I, I, I call them, that's a great product. That's my sort of my adage, you know, I, and it can be small <laughs> things and big things, but I'm like, that's a great product. You know, I think, I think the iPhone device is really, it's just a, a fantastic product. And, I, and I've gotten the little air tags. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar, but it's these things that you can put on your car keys and your, and your oh, wallet yeah. and bags. 
and and you can find it. I mean, what a, an unbelievable invention! <laughs> so, really, really love that. And now, Harry, if you were a type of car, what type of car would you be? Oh, that's a that's an interesting question. I would say, and I don't drive it, but I would say like an Audi RS6 Ooh. wagon. And why an Audi Audi RS6? So from the looks of it, uh, on the outside, it looks like a very utilitarian vehicle. You know, it's it's high end, but it's not crazy. It's not a Ferrari. It's not a Lamborghini. It's not showy. It's not flashy. As Jill says, it's not a small penis car. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, it has a massive engine in it, and it's deceiving. Um, where it's one of the fastest cars on the road, uh, based upon the scale of the engine, it's actually tuned in a in a particular way to be truly a, a high performance sports car. And at the same time, it has cargo room, so you can get your odds and ends and things into it. It actually has a little bit more storage. It has a little bit. Not that I'm. I'm not talking about my weight here. I'm just talking about <laughs> capacity. It has more capacity than the than the lightweight nature of a true sports car so yeah if you needed to get if you need to get groceries or or golf clubs in you're not uh you're not doing a tetris act it actually has some utilitarian nature to it so it it has a lot more punch than than originally perceived it's still considered high-end but not obscene and not show-offy and uh, and it can do a lot more than uh, than you originally gave it credit for. Wow. And finally, Harry, what is the best career advice that you would like to pass on to our listeners? Uh, the best advice is that your dream career will always have uh, challenging things associated with it. Mm. it. There's no perfect job. And so you have to always be willing to take the bad with the good. The real question is, do you and can you find personal passion in what you do? Do you actually love what you do, even with all the warts and defects associated with that job? And if you do love it, then don't believe that the grass is greener by jumping off to doing something else, because oftentimes, almost in all cases, the grass is not greener. And so understand that if you have something good, stick with it, be persistent, and let yourself be fertilized by the opportunity and bloom into something great. So that, that's my advice uh, to anybody. Now, if you hate what you do and you don't like the area, then get out as fast as possible. <laughs> I love that. Well, Harry Cartman, thank you so much. It's been awesome speaking with you. Super fun, and thanks for having me on the show. Um, really appreciate the opportunity and looking forward to uh, seeing this come out. Absolutely. And we'll be back in a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. 
Wow, I just loved our conversation with Harry. He has got so much business insights that we can all really learn for because ultimately it's all about taking risks. And as we come to the end of the year, I want you to think really seriously about what's getting in your way. As we come in to 2022, this is a perfect time for you to start doing those one or two things that are going to help remove some of those barriers so that 2022 is your year for an amazing career breakthrough. To be honest, there's never been a better time to make a career move, whether that's a lateral move, moving up, even thinking about working in a different industry or another division of your company altogether. Now is the time for change, but you're only going to be able to get there if you think about those things that are getting in your way. Well, thank you so much. That's been our show. I'd love to hear from you on social media. I'm at Jason Patria on all social platforms. Make sure that you're following the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And most importantly, ask yourself this question in your career. Are you coffee or are you Starbucks? You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.